0: Leaky Bucket of Profits episode 13 get off the mouse wheel and start building a business that can work without you This is Tony Malik your host and author of the book Leaky Bucket of Profits and in this series I share the information the the really the really valuable information that's in my book, so that you can get the value of the book without actually having to buy it. This episode is based on the last chapter of my book, chapter 13, Get Off the Mouse Wheel. It's talking about something that I find 80%, at least 80% of business owners struggle with to some degree, and I would say a lot of that 80% struggles with this a lot. And that's building your business in a way that it can work with at least minimal interaction from you if not be able to even run without you at all, but at least with minimal interaction. And I find a lot of business owners get them have they they've built their business and it's grown. They they're still doing a lot of those same tasks that they did when they started their business. And it's those little tasks that eat up your day. And what ends up happening, it feels like you're a bit on a mouse wheel, right? Every day you show up, you're fighting fires, you're taking care of those daily tasks, you're fighting for your customers, you're you're trying to make money. And the days go by, the weeks go by, the months go by, and even sometimes the years go by. And you look back at that time period and you say, you're asking yourself, am I any further ahead? I seem to be on a mouse wheel. Well, this chapter is about how to get you off that mouse wheel so that you can run a really effective business that's going to make you money. And at the end of the day, a business that can run with minimal interaction from yourself or minimal involvement from yourself is a business that is going to be more valuable to somebody if you do want to sell it someday down the road i was working with a manufacturing company that over a period of about several years they actually went from about one million dollars to over eight million dollars in sales so that's an amazing growth Profits were not an issue with with this um, company. They were making a lot of money, but the owner was putting in 60 to 70 hours a week and was really starting to resent his business because the business literally owned him. He couldn't even take a vacation without keeping his phone on and answering texts and phone calls even while on vacation. I started working with him, and the main thing was he wasn't looking to make more money. He was looking to get some of his life back. What we found is as we were reviewing the tasks that he was doing that was eating up all his time, it became pretty apparent very quickly to both of us that he was still doing a lot of those same tasks that he did when it was a $1 million company, even though he had a number of employees around him that weren't there before, he was still doing little things. He was going to the post office. He was even helping to stuff envelopes, uh, you know, invoice uh, stuff, envelopes, uh, invoices into envelopes. And, you know, these lower value tasks were eating up his time. And, and he found it wasn't one big task. It was 10, 12 little things that were taking 20 minutes there, a half hour there. And before he knew it, he was probably spending a good, at least a couple hours, two to three hours a day on, on tasks that were really well below his pay grade. They, they were things that should have been done by people that uh, that he should have hired to do some of this. Once we realized that if he could offload these tasks that he would save himself at least 20 hours a week. So we worked on doing just that. One of the things we spoke about is a book that I think a lot of business owners have read, and if you haven't read it, I do suggest reading this book, and it's called The E-Myth Revisited by Michael E. Berger. What Berger talks about is, uh, there's the three levels of the business owner. There's the entrepreneur, there's the manager, and there's the technician. What the entrepreneur is, you know, that's the crazy you that started this business in the first place. It's that or whether you started it or or bought it, but you had a vision. It's, It's that visionary in you that says, I'm going to I'm going to buy this business. I'm going to start this business and I'm going to do it differently than the competition. I'm going to do it better than my boss did it. And it was that vision that got you into the business in the first place. And it's still the person in you, the entrepreneur, that sets that vision for where do you want your company to be in a year from now, you know, two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. And it's important to always have that vision. The next level is the manager. Well, what does the manager do? The best way to put it with an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur looks forward. They're always looking forward to see what could be. What the manager does, the manager takes that vision from the entrepreneur and puts it into action and the manager also looks backward to see what's our progress what went well how did we perform and what changes do we need to make improve our performance and to fulfill the vision of the entrepreneur the third level is the technician that's probably that original skill you had in the first place if you're in the trades business it's when you're acting as a tradesperson or if you're in a business that required a certain amount of professional training it's when you're using that professional training so the technician is is that vocational aspect of what you do where when you're working in your business you're probably doing it so if you have a small business if you're putting the tool belt out you're literally are a technician if you're working directly and serving customers you are in technician mode it doesn't matter what kind of business you're in and what we need to realize is each level of the business owner has its own value to the company and the value is really based on what would you pay that person if they were in that role for you for an example is technician mode what do you pay your technicians now or what do you pay those frontline people that's the value of that task and then the next one is the manager if you were to hire a general manager a manager for that department what would that manager be paid and that's the value of that position and now of course the entrepreneur is what's the value of having, you know, that that the CEO, the president of a company, what's the the value of that position? I could tell you, if you wanted to do a real rough rule of thumb, is typically the entrepreneur is probably going to have at least double the value to a company than the manager. So if you're paying a manager $40, $50 an hour to run your business for you, maybe more, your value of the company is worth at least that, if not Quite a bit more, so it's worth at least double. So when you're trying to figure out what tasks you're doing, if you could pay somebody to do that task and pay them less than half of what you're paying yourself, chances are you need to delegate it and delegate it to the you know to the appropriate level. So if you're somebody, for instance, that's making $75 an hour, paying yourself $150, $200,000 a year, and you're stuffing envelopes, you know that's a $15 to $20 an hour job. You know, and you got to think about what's your value to the company, and if you could use that time to do that, you know, that $7,500 an hour task, your business would be a lot further for it and your life would be a lot more simple. If you do happen to have a copy of my book and if you don't have it, you can actually buy the hard copy off most of the major online platforms or you can actually download the e-book version of it for about the cost of a, of a glass of wine or, a you know, or a pint of beer and you can also follow along with it. But, In the book on page 147, figure 13.1, I give an organizational chart that really represents every business out there. Now, if you have a really small business, you may be doing a lot of these jobs yourself. But the key is, is to understand there are various roles in the company that need to be filled, whether you're doing it yourself now or whether you need to bring people in to do it for you. And what the chart shows is, you know, what you have is you've got that entrepreneur, the owner of the company. So, you know, you have a role as an owner of a company, but your role as an owner is a different relationship than than your role when you're working in your business. So you may be an owner of a company, but it starts with that. The next level down is the general manager. So you, may, you are likely doing this in your business. You're acting as the general manager for your business, as well as being the owner. Every business has specific tasks that need to be accounted for one way or another. And it really works out to about five different areas of the business. And they they split into marketing. So, you know, who's in charge of generating leads and opportunities for your company? Then you have sales. Sales is separate. As we spoke about in previous podcasts, sales is that conversion process that you take that lead coming in and turn it into a paying customer. The third is production or operations. So this is obviously whether you're a manufacturer and, and you're involved with, you know, the actual physically manu- manufacturing the product or sending technicians out. So, so you know, it's that's sort of the, the engine if you want to call that of your business is you know the operational side. And then you got two other more of administrative type sides. You have human resources. So think about a lot of large corporations, right? They have a separate human resource department. So in your business, you may right now be acting as a human resource person, which is the hiring, the disciplining, the firing, dealing with, uh, you know, the, the people issues that come up in business all the time. The fifth area is your accounting and finance department, right? Every business needs that. Every business needs to account for the numbers, track the numbers, understand the numbers so that good decisions can be made to ensure that bills are being paid, to ensure that cash is coming in. So these are these are the five areas of business that every, every business has to account for in some way or another. You may want to look at that and say, well, how much time are you spending in all these areas? And is that one of the reasons why you may be spending 60, 70 hours a week in your business as well? And are there certain areas that you could start to delegate out? Now, you may or may not, depends on the size of your business, be able to afford, you may you know afford hiring people for all these positions, so you might have to do some of it yourself. But maybe there are certain positions that you could uh, contract out. You may not be able to afford a full-timer, but there's a lot of independent services out there that act as that third-party contractor. For instance, there are, there are a number of people out there that can that for a certain fee per month, a, re- a reasonable fee per month, they can be your HR department and handle HR issues. You can hire a bookkeeper. if you don't already have a bookkeeper, you can hire a bookkeeper uh, a bookkeeping service as opposed to hiring one full-time. There's bookkeeping services out there that will you know come into your business and you know maybe eight, 10 hours a week, they will take care of your books for you and get you the financial information that you need so that you can run your business much more effectively. One of the first things to do is to start thinking about where is your value to the company? Where is your expertise that if you could spend 80% of your time on that part of the business, the business would flourish. And then that the other parts of the business that maybe aren't your strengths is, you know, how can can you delegate those out? So if you're strong in sales and marketing, you may want to spend, you know, not only be the general manager, but spend your time on sales and marketing. But that means... You need somebody to run operations you need somebody to you know to make sure hr and and your financial management is being looked after properly as one example but if you're an operations oriented person you might be the general manager and want to run operations of your business but then who's going to do your sales and marketing who's going to look after your financial management hr so the more you can offload those those areas that are not your strengths and focus on and working on areas that are your strengths, your business will move forward that much quicker. So how do you go about doing that? Uh, The first thing is to make a list of virtually all the tasks that you do in a day. And be honest with yourself. If, If you're putting stamps on envelopes, write that down. So write down every single task you're doing. And once you've done that, ask yourself if, if I was to pay somebody to do this, what would I pay that person? And write down the value of that task. You know, if uh, putting stamps on an envelope is a $15 to $18 an hour task, or at least a by, would be usually done by a person that's paid that amount, then write that down. If it's a task that would be, uh, maybe a, a involve, have a little more involvement and maybe it's a $25 an hour task, then write that down. And once you have that whole list, Keep those tasks that, that are, you know, in your pay grade that where you can provide the most value, value to your own business and then take all those other tasks and try to group them based on their commonality and what you want to do is build a job description around it and then once you've built your job description around it, now you know who you, can, who you need to hire for that position now again. Depends on what your budget is and how much work there needs to be done in these areas. It may be a full-time person. Maybe you can hire a part-time person or you bring in an outsourced service to handle that for you. The next step is to delegate. But I have found that a lot of business owners struggle with delegation. I've seen a lot of situations that should not have gone sideways, did go sideways, because it wasn't delegated properly. And let's use an example. If you recognize that somebody you need somebody to track inventory, what I've seen happen is a business owner will, you know, take the inventory sheets, put it in front of the, you know, the newly hired person, and say, you know, here's my inventory system. Uh, go at it. And then the person is trying to figure out how to do it. It takes them a lot longer than it should. They make a lot of mistakes. The owner gets frustrated, and they go, well, this delegation doesn't work, and they let that person go and they do it themselves. And that happens more often than you think. So there there's a way of delegating and first of all delegation takes some planning on your part. So it's important that you sit down and you look at okay here are the tasks that that I'm going to assign to this person and also do an assessment okay what level of skills are needed for these tasks. So if somebody for instance if it's to do inventory they need to be able to work with a spreadsheet, they need to be able to work with a certain type of software. They need to understand maybe the products, whatever, whatever the skills you think that are needed. And then look at the person that you're going to sign it to and say, compare that to what are their skill sets? They already know this stuff and you, you just have to explain a couple of things and let them go. Or is this person inexperienced? They have a good attitude and they want to learn, but you really have to start from the ground up. So it depends on the level of the person's experience, their aptitude, that determines how much time you need to spend with them. But it does take planning and understanding that when you have somebody that didn't have that experience, you know you can say, okay, do the stage one. When, when you're finished stage one, bring it back to me and we'll look at it together, see how you did. And then you can coach them from there and say, okay, you made a mistake here. Here's how you do it next time. How would you, or you can ask them, how would you do it differently next time? And then send them to do stage two and bring it back. So over time, you're letting go slowly, building you're allowing yourself to let them build your trust and but you feel you got some sense of control so that's how and but it's a process you can't dump it on their desk and walk away and hope it works out so this may take days or weeks depends on the uh, on the complexity of, of the task or job that you're trying to delegate but at the same time if somebody's already really experienced they've done this before you just need to explain a few things you know it's a lot of times you can uh, give them a 30 minute briefing and and let them go they, they just can go do the job. So you got to assess the, the ability of the person versus the kinds of tasks that you're assigning. You're probably thinking, this is going to be a lot of work. You know, this is only a 20-minute task that I do once a day. And maybe it's just easier if I just keep on doing it than spending a half hour showing somebody how to do it. But think about this as an investment. If you could spend 30 minutes showing somebody, spending 30 minutes once showing somebody how to do something. And they're going to save you 20 minutes a day every day in perpetuity for for you know for months and years that's a great investment so you got to look at this as an investment of your time to save a lot of time down the road and again we're trying to maybe pick up 20 minutes or 30 minutes there on various smaller tasks that will allow you to maybe cut a good at least a couple hours a day for your work day each day so here's a seven step process to accomplish all this first of all create an organization chart for your business accounting for all those five major areas that I spoke about but your chart should include who's looking after it now is your is your name in all these areas now or do you have already a person or two or a few people that are looking after it so but create that organizational chart first create a job description for all roles in the company including yours so including one build the job description for the general manager which is probably what you're doing and whether you're doing these other jobs or not build a build your job description for the sales manager the marketing person you know the HR accounting operations you know what what are their tasks and duties what are their accountabilities So that if you do already have people in their position, in these positions, they can better understand what their role is and what they, what you need from them, which is important. Important. They need to know what you need from them. But it also makes it easier for when somebody, if you hire somebody, they know what their job is going to be, and you can use the job description as, as an, almost a training outline. So here's all the tasks and duties and responsibilities of the position. Now you can look at that and say, okay, well, now what do I have to do to train these people to be sure they can do them? So once you've a all the job descriptions, list every task that you do, even if it includes stuffing envelopes, then analyze the task to determine the value of each task. Establish a plan to delegate those low, those low task items, right? So, you know, again, those lower valued items that, half of your pay grade or less how can you delegate those out and, and it's really important to get that delegated out the next step is to start delegating turn this into action and then monitor and adjust so you may find that uh, there's other certain tasks that you may need to move from one position to another you may need to provide more training and things won't you know things will not be perfect at first there's going to be mistakes made you're going to go under you know man it was was this worth doing this yes it will be worth it But keeping in mind, if something goes wrong, as leaders, we need to look at ourselves first and say, did I train this person properly? Did I give them the information they needed? Did I give them the tools they needed? And use that also as a learning opportunity for yourself. As you're bringing more people aboard and starting to create structure in your business, it's really important to assemble the right team around you. Now, obviously, you need people with the right skill sets, but you also need the right people on the team. Sometimes we do without understanding what we're doing is we like to sometimes hire people that are like us. You know, an introverted person sometimes hires other introverted people, uh, people that are very outgoing, like to hire other high energy people. And this may seem like it's the right thing to do, but it actually creates an imbalance in, in your business. And I'll explain how in a minute. I know of a business owner that is very introverted and he really didn't like being a lot, didn't like being around a lot of really high energy people. He found that they were hard to keep up to and, you know, he just it, he just didn't have the energy to deal with them. So what he ended up doing, not consciously, but subconsciously, he would, you know, not hire people that were those high energy and hired a lot of, you know, sort of introverted, steady people uh, in his business. And it created certain strengths in his business, but it created an imbalance as well. A lot of the people in the team were people that you know were averse to conflict or you know having debates. So when it ended up happening, he had a, a, built a, a team around him that did not challenge him. They even if they didn't agree with him, they didn't challenge this owner on his opinion So a lot of decisions sometimes were made that weren't bad decisions, but better decisions could have been made if if this owner was challenged and had people around him that were bringing in different types of perspectives. So how do you know how to bring on the right kind of people or what kind of people to look for? In my episode four, Know Your Communication DNA, I talk about the four different types of communication styles. And in that chapter, it was I spoke a lot about how, how to understand your style, but also how to recognize and understand the style of others. So in building your team, it's good to really be sure that, that what the DISC model is, what the communication DNA is, of the people you're bringing on and there are assessments you can do that actually help you to confirm it and just to review very quickly and again more details in, in my episode four, nor your communication DNA the, the four are you've got the director which tends to be that outgoing personality very task oriented to get things done they're outspoken but they can also sometimes be a little abrasive to others but they're you know they're big picture people and, and they want to achieve things the next one is the influencer. These also tend to be outgoing people, but they're more social than task oriented. They like to be around people. They want to be always there to be a positive energy. Sometimes they can sugarcoat things, but they can, but they can be positive in others, and they want everyone to be happy. But at the same time, they sometimes have trouble making tough decisions and being tough situations if it affects people adversely. So they're adverse to that, you know, to that type of conflict and to sometimes even dealing with reality if it means it, if it means it's a negative situation. Then you have the steady eddy. I sometimes call these a stabi- stabilizing force on a team. These are the people that, they like to be around people, but they're also, they're, they're more introverted, they're thoughtful, they're introspective. They, they're the ones that ask a lot of questions. So they will start to consider details where the director and influencer are more big picture people. The steady eddy, Will ask the questions and be sure that the details are being looked after. Then you have the compliance officer. This is the very analytical kind of you know it's, things are black and white type of person. They need to have a plan. They love plans. They they like predictability, uh, and they love to you know they analyze numbers and situations. And so you know, th- there's a value they bring to the team. And quite often these disc models or these the communication DNA. There's a lot of correspondence or a correlation with type of jobs are in a person that's a big-picture person and is really outgoing more often than not are not bookkeepers or accountants they usually are steady Eddie's or compliance officer types and my own personally feeling is when you hire a bookkeeper who is an influencer or a director they're probably gonna have trouble dealing with detail they will probably end there, they will be the ones with the messy desk. And I, I'm always concerned myself when I see a, a bookkeeper with a really messy desk. So it's good to have this balance on your team because if you have a situation coming up or you're reaching a goal, you know, you need that high, you need that director to push people and to keep people focused on, you know, on the end result. You need that influencer around that keeps things positive and make sure that human element is being considered. You need that steady Eddie on the team who's going to ask the right questions to be sure that, you know, people don't just sort of drive off a cliff and, and that, you know, all the contingencies are going to be considered. And then you've got the compliance officer, which will also, you know, look at a lot of the details, do a lot of the planning. And so that's a great balance. And when you don't have all four this on a team, you end up with a bit of a wobbly wheel. A good example might be if you have a team that's has nothing but directors and influences on it. They'll have great ideas, they'll have great goals, there'll be lots of energy, maybe even some good debates going on, but then a lot of things aren't going to get done because we don't have those detail-oriented people on the team that that can be the nuts and bolts that get it going. So, so as you're bringing people on, be sure you have a balance on your team. Even it'll take some challenge to do that because you will want to hire people like yourself. So, be conscious about hiring people that are not like you and you will really learn to respect and value these people as well. I spoke earlier that you're likely acting as a general manager for your company. I found that there's a lot of business owners out there that don't really understand what the general manager does. I've even been asked by business owners that have been running their business for, for many years, and they go, you know, I don't really know what a, what a general manager really does. So what, they, what ends up happening is when there aren't any fires to fight, and they're sitting at their desks. they go, well, I guess I better get to work. But to them, work is putting on that tool belt. It's getting on that forklift. It's gravitating to those low value tasks that aren't necessary can help the business move forward. So what I found is it's important to understand what a general manager does. And one of the things I've, I've always suggest to business owners is just go online, look at the job wanted ads for general managers, and even if possibly within your industry. And you'll start to see that all the job postings for general managers typically all have the same duties and responsibilities. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. A general manager does almost the same. 80% of the job is the same in, throughout all industries, except for maybe 20%. There might be some industry-specific things, but it's pretty common. And in my book on page 155, figure 13.2, I actually give a, a common job description of a general manager, I urge you that to look at the job description, help it to write your own for yourself, and do these tasks. Don't let yourself getting get pulled into getting on that forklift or putting that tool belt. Look at these tasks, because the fact is, if you're not doing the tasks on this page, and I'll just read a few out to you, but if you're not doing the tasks on this page, you're not really doing your job. Creating action plans for long-term goals, monitoring and developing budgets. Analyzing your inventory to be sure that you're not tying up more inventory than you need and it's turning over. Conducting employee reviews and developing people. One of the three most important things you can do as a general manager is to attract, train, and develop people. And if you're not working on these three things almost all the time, you're probably not doing your job as a general manager. So my, my suggestion to you is get off the forklift. Take off that tool belt and become the general manager of your business. Your role is to be sure that the holes in the bucket that are draining your business of cash and profits are being plugged. And you can't do that while you're on a forklift. So get off the mouse wheel. Spend your time plugging the holes in the bucket. Your bucket will get bigger and bigger and be more full of water and prosperity all the time. Good luck with it. It's Tony Malik here author of Leaky Bucket of Profits. And by the way, feel free to email me anytime at tony at empoweredbusiness.ca if you have any feedback or questions on anything I've talked about in this episode. Have a great day.